All right, it's just about 12 o'clock. This is Michael Collins. This is the uh, lunchtime learning call for the family financial education folks. Anybody out there? Barb Haynes is on. Hi, Barb. The um, information you sent last week or the week before on housing, uh-huh. is that something that you think we should um, go out and teach using those resources? Well, we so we have a, a whole curriculum on home buyer preservation, the Wisconsin Home Buyer Preservation Education Curriculum. Um, so that's the fyi.uwex.edu slash whpe website. You can find all those materials. Yeah. Um, so that would be what I would recommend more than what the Department of Justice has put out. Okay. Um, we can certainly put those pieces on the, the WHPE website, but um, there's much more extensive materials available. Okay. Um, yeah, we have a lot of foreclosures going on, and but boy, it's hard to reach people. Yeah. At a time. Yeah. I'll send you a link with the information. Thanks. All right, well, it's just a little bit afternoon, so I'm not going to get started. I think there's probably a lot of people listening to this on archive today, so I just want to welcome everybody and remind you what, what this is all about. Um, we do these calls on the second Monday of every month at noon on a current financial topic designed for experienced financial educators who are trying to get up to speed on various cutting-edge topics in the field. And this is a complement to our Building Buck series, which is next Monday. It's the third Monday of the month at 1 p.m. Um, building Bucks is designed to give you sort of the basic building blocks of financial education and financial. The financial series that you're listening to now, learning lunchtime learning, is uh, really designed to get you up to speed on some cutting edge issues. Um, so that said, today's issue is probably less than cutting edge, but uh, new to many people in family financial education, in that most people are not currently doing a lot of education around social security. This topic grows out of my role on the Madison campus with the Center for Financial Security and our work with the Social Security Administration on financial literacy. We're part of a national initiative called the Financial Literacy Research Consortium. So we're one of three sites in the country that Social Security works with to look at issues of financial literacy and how it affects retirement security and income security over the lifespan. Um, our focus is really on vulnerable populations. Um, and how they use all kinds of programs and how they interface with advice and education and other kind of programs to, to ultimately become more or less financially secure and also dependent upon various Social Security and other programs out there. But through that work, it's become apparent to me that there's just a lot of, um, a lot of people at all incomes, at all education levels, who don't really understand what Social Security is. Uh, there's a lot of press about Social Security, which... You know, we heard this in the most recent election about Social Security is bankrupt, it's too generous, it's not generous generous enough, it's going to hurt people as they get older, it's going to not be too rich for people as they get older. So we sort of have a, a, a lot of information out there. And I think the topper was, I recently, I don't know, maybe three months ago, got an email forwarded to me with my own parents, which uh, had a series of myths about Social Security, um, which... In the email that was sort of, you know, one of these classic float around the internet email chains, 
weren't pitched as myths at all, but actual facts about Social Security and how insolvent it was and what a what a ruse it was and all these other things. Um, and it was clear to me that there's, there's definitely a lot of misinformation out there. Um, and I think this is important not because of issues of politics or even policy, but because Social Security is the primary social program that we have. It's the you know the bedrock of most people's financial security. Um, in the case of something like a death of a spouse or dis- disability, um, and it's an important part of retirement planning. Knowing what your baseline is in terms of Social Security is a, is a key part of all that. So you know we're we're trying to do what we can to get information out, just basic factual information about how Social Security works, what its programs are, um, and what its roles are. Um, I think this is going to be particularly important because there is going to be, um, you know, putting the politics aside, there's going to be some serious policy decisions made in the next few years about the future of Social Security and how it might be changed or tweaked. And, uh, you know, I'd hate for people to be engaged in those kinds of conversations and not really know what it is now. Um, So I think this is a sort of multi-pronged effort that I'd like to see. And, um, you know, I get a lot of questions from people in Extension who are educators who, who have somebody come to them with a question about Social Security and then we oftentimes end up talking about their own understanding of Social Security and what they're going to get personally. So I think it's something that everybody has some interest in. It obviously could be integrated into lots of different financial education settings, whether it's a class about retirement or a class about other kinds of services. It's still an important piece for people to be um, thinking about. As far as I know, nobody in Wisconsin currently is doing a uh, any kind of themed workshop around Social Security benefits or understanding Social Security. Um, my guess is that something like that would have some demand, although, like I said, nobody's done it, so I can't say that for sure. Um, much of it would depend on how it's marketed and, and how it's pitched. But my guess is that there's probably a, a more likely way that this kind of material could get into your education, and that's through other classes that you're teaching. Well, you know, it might be a 10-minute segment in a general financial education course or, um, you know, something that's, that's married into an existing program or partnership that you already have. So the, this is uh, the first crack I've taken at something like this. I've been um, working with uh, Nilton, who's I think is on the line as a graduate student here at the Department of Consumer Science and very interested in issues of consumer financial security. Uh, so we've been trying our best to come up with some PowerPoint slides that might be useful. Um, the next stage in this endeavor is to take these slides and to add more notes and more teaching support materials. Um, but we really just wanted to get something out and get people's feedback on it. So I want to definitely reserve some time towards the end of this call today to get your feedback on what we've built and then start to think about next steps about how we, we might be able to make this more useful um, in its various forms. I would say that the PowerPoint, um, so the PowerPoint is up on the FYI site. So this is the, the fyi.uwex.edu slash financial series website. And so they are posted, you'll find both the PowerPoint slides and then a PDF version of the slides in case your PowerPoint is not being cooperative. And I, we didn't really intend these to be that you would use all 60 slides in a, in a training. That would be overkill. But there are probably bits and pieces that you can borrow and, and edit and use as you need to. I know that most financial educators tend to um, borrow and adapt as opposed to use wholesale. So um, that's really designed there. Along with the PowerPoint, uh, and the accompanying PDF version of the PowerPoint. There is a brief. I'm trying to do this for every lunchtime learning call now so that every month when we do a new topic, we also release a brief, um, so hopefully on a monthly basis, on whatever the topic is. So 
you, you will also find, um, in addition to attached to the email that I sent out on, on Thursday or Friday, um, a brief on the FYI site um, called Understanding Social Security, and the date of it is November 2010. That is a short three-page PDF document in sort of a two-column format. Thanks to some support here in the School of Human Ecology, we've got a new new look to it with a, a logo and whatnot, so hopefully these will be what you see going forward for our brief. But it's really intended to be a brief. It's going to give you the sort of, in a nutshell, um, what you need to know about this topic. So it's just three three pages and a column. It's got headers, so it's easy to scan, and, and a couple of links that you can follow up on later. So my goal for today is to talk through that brief um, and to talk a little bit about the PowerPoint slides. I'm not going to go through the whole PowerPoint show. Um, it is on the website, so you're certainly welcome to look at that during the call or later. Um, and then also just get some thoughts about what we might do to make this information more usable uh, and useful for you. With that, any questions before I get started? And again, this call is being archived, so uh, colleagues who aren't here today can tune in at a later date. Uh, and all those archives, by the way, are going to be put onto the FYI site as well. So that's going to be a standard practice going forward. We're trying to get that nailed down so that the MP3s are there and can be downloaded or, or listened to online. Okay, so uh, I think you know the first the first point of all this is just to understand a little bit about what Social Security is as a, as a program. And I think the, the most important answer to the question about what is Social Security is that it is insurance. It is insurance against a number of perils that we face in our financial lives. One being that we could outlive our savings. Um, you can save a lot of money for retirement and, and do all the things you're supposed to do. But if you live to be 110, it's very unlikely that you're going to have enough money uh, saved up. It's just very hard to imagine. You know, There is some risk that uh, we don't think about this just very often, but the risk that we might live a very long time um, and we would exhaust our savings. And so in some ways what Social Security is is a at least the old age benefit, is a insurance against outliving our savings. Um, it's also an insurance against essentially being in poverty in retirement um, at a point in time where you can no longer work. If you've been in a education and job track where you never had much income and not much ability to put away any money, Social Security will help people not certainly not be wealthy in retirement, but um, above a subsistence level so that they can have some stability of income in their retirement. So that, in a, you know, is in a nutshell what Social Security is. Social Security was founded, obviously, back in the Great Depression under uh, FDR. It has grown several times over the years, but, you know, its, its core is this insurance against its old age, against widow or widowerhood, um, and against disability. Those are sort of the three core functions, retirement, survivors, and disability. It has grown over time to also include the Social Security supplemental income, the, the supplemental security income, um, which is a, uh, not so much, it, it isn't also insurance, but it's, all, it's a combination of um, disability and low income. But I, I'm going to focus most of my time and comments today on the, the main functions, which are the retirement benefit and the disability benefit, um, as well as the survivor's benefit. So the... The um, concept of Social Security is that at some age, you can retire. Uh, so for many people, it's been 65. It's been growing um, slightly the last few years, depending on for, for new workers. But it, in order to get 
uh, payment out of the system, you have to pay into the system, which means you need to have worked. Um, and essentially what they look for is something called a credit, and credits are earned for every quarter that you work. And essentially it's about 40 quarters of work that you have to have engaged in in order to qualify for retirement benefits. Um, and a quarter, a credit counts if you make in the current, um, the current year, current environment, about uh, $4,500. A year, so not a high level of income, but enough income to get those 40 credits in. Um, and then your payout is really based on your earnings record. Um, so you'll, we'll talk a bit more in a minute, but you'll probably recall that every year you get a green statement from the Social Security Administration that lists your earnings records, and it goes all the way back to your first years of of, of work. Um, that's really the the key document or the key information on which your uh, your benefits are claimed or are designed. Um, now, I said that, that 65 is kind of the magic age or a slightly older for, if you're younger, um, if you're born after 1960. But that's not the only age. Um, certainly, some people start to to think about retirement earlier, and so some think about age 62, um, and others might wait until later. So, like, age 70 is uh, sort of the, the longest period that we see people deferring. So, we see people retiring at different ages, and Social Security has adapted over time. To do that, obviously, the earlier you retire, the smaller your benefit is, and the later you retire, the larger your benefit is. And there are some benefits to uh, financial benefits to waiting longer, and that's one of the calculations that people oftentimes have questions about: is when should I file? When should I should I go early? Should I go late? Should I go on time? What are the benefits to me of, of waiting and not waiting? And there, unfortunately, there's no one answer to that. It depends upon you know if you like working, if you're still healthy. If you have a long life expectancy, um, if those things are true, then it might make sense to wait until 70 or later um, to think about retirement. If, you know, less the other case where you're working in a strenuous job that's, that's tough physically or you aren't particularly healthy, you're um, in a position where you just want to retire earlier, then um, it might make sense to, to do that. It's not like there's one right answer here. Um, there certainly are answers that might give you more uh, retirement benefit in any given year, but over the remainder of your life, it's not clear necessarily which is the best. Um, we don't know how long you're going to live. We don't know what kind of quality of life you're going to have. So in some ways, people have to begin to think about those those long-term things uh, when they make these kinds of decisions. The other thing that's important about Social Security is that a lot of people do work. Um, it's not necessarily that retirement anymore is a you know zero-one proposition where you either are or not. Some people are retired yet still working part-time or working as a consultant or um, even working minimum wage because they want to keep themselves busy. So um, it is possible to do some earnings um, even even in retirement, and certainly there are people who do that. Um, the trick is that as you get older um, and you start to draw benefits, that work might result in a reduction of benefits. So keeping an eye on um, when those benefits phase out come into play and how much you can earn is an important piece. So the retirement benefit, I'm going to talk a, a bit more in a minute about, you know, where some of the other programs that that Social Security has. But um, the retirement benefit tends to be the program that people have the most questions about, and luckily the program that there is the most information about um, online and in hundreds of books that are out there, um, as well as just people who've been through the process and have information about the process. Um, Social Security itself has a, a nice website, socialsecurity.gov. At that website, you can do things like um, look up how much 
your expected benefit is. You can understand where these various age cutoffs are for retirement and what kind of benefit you might get at different ages of retirement. Um, you can also um, check your your essentially the, the data that comes into your annual statement to get a sense of your uh, your earnings record, perhaps finding any issues that might be uh, in there that you need to be aware of. Um, you can also just learn more about the various phase-outs and provisions that are in place if you were to return to work and retirement and those kinds of things. Um, one of the most important pieces of the website is the estimator, the socialsecurity.gov slash estimator website, and that's where you can actually put in some assumptions about when you might retire um, in your earnings and about what you might expect to get in retirement. I would strongly encourage you all to, to do the estimator for yourself. It gives you a sense of how much you can expect as your sort of baseline for Social Security, plus you know, then you can start to add in what you, where you think you might get from other sources and, and get a sense of where you might be at. Obviously, we don't always know what you're going to retire at, but you can just see what under various scenarios uh, what, your, what your position might look like. Um, and so the, the PowerPoint actually has some screenshots of the estimator and some examples of how you might use that. But I think that's a great tool um, and could be a really good conversation starter for you with the spouse or people in your family or with clients if you are working at that level with folks. So the, the website is a, is a good place to go. The other thing, that, the other place where there's lots of information is about claiming. The other issue about which there's lots of information is claiming. So should I claim at age 62 or 65 or 67 or 70? Um, and then also there's a, uh, there's a number of variances that are, you know, uh, variations in, in how you can claim, including, you know, for example, if you're a spouse, you might claim at an earlier age and then suspend. So you claim and then say, I don't want the money, I'm going to continue to work, or I'm going to live off my spouse's income so that my benefit can increase over time. So there are these claim and suspend strategies that are worth getting to know. Um, and there's a number of websites that can help you think about those, um, and, and actually this is a lot of what financial advisors think about too, but the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College, uh, there's a website in the PowerPoint show, lists some different claiming strategies that you can take and, and go step by step through um, various claiming strategies that are out there. Um, so that's another resource that I would, I would recommend thinking about. So Security's website has some of this as well, but I think the, the Boston College Initiative has uh, really helped uh, make some of this more clear, especially for, for people and in uh, some of the, uh, uh, you know, less traditional situations, so a divorce, remarriage, or uh, uh, other various kinds of widow or whatever issues that people might have um, that might make it a little more complicated than just a straight uh, traditional situation. You know, the, the 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 last thing I'll share a little bit about on the on the Social Security retirement benefit side, and this is what makes the press, is this idea that Social Security is bankrupt that uh, none of us should expect to get a penny because the whole system is, is doomed to fail. Um, and so power, probably what the PowerPoint presentation tries to do is, is um, shed a little fact on, on the current situation of, of where Social Security is at. Um, Social Security is funded by the FICA tax. So you see this in every pay stub where you have your, your percentage of your income that's paid for FICA. Um, so under the current rules, you, you you pay this FICA tax as a percentage of your income up to about 100000 or so of total income. Um, and that that FICA tax is what goes to fund the Social Security Trust Fund. For the last 
um, several decades, the federal government has collected far more in FICA tax than has been required to pay out to retirees. So the fund has run a surplus, and it's the so-called Social Security Trust Fund, if you remember Al Gore's election more than, I guess, 10 years ago when, when he ran um, and lost. But he talked about the lockbox for Social Security and how that shouldn't be touched. And much of that was just political rhetoric, that the uh, Social Security Trust Fund is, is an accounting uh, function, and it really does sort of set aside as a, as a, as a way to account for that money. Uh, all money in the federal budget is fungible in reality. So, uh, But the the fund itself is solvent, and there's, um, in the short run, very little chance that it's going to go bankrupt. Um, it is true that in about 2018, so about eight years from now, um, the fund will begin taking in less than it pays out. So, in other words, it's going to have to start dipping into that fund to make up the difference, that trust fund to make up the difference. And the reason why is primarily that the baby boom generation is going to be getting older. They're not going to be paying FICA. They're going to be retiring and collecting. And so that shift is going to start to move the demographics of the country and start to move to the point where the Social Security is dipping into the trust fund. Now, even if they exhaust the entire trust fund, which is going to take about 20 years to do, there will still be Social Security benefits. It just won't be as much as uh, you would think you would get based on the retirement estimator. So um, the current estimates, actuarial estimates, are that if if nothing is done, if Social Security does not change its benefits, does not change how benefits are calculated or the age of retirement or the cost of living increases or anything else, that anything else, the trust fund will run out by 2037, and um, we will only get what is put into the system in any given year, which means about 78 cents on the dollar. Um, so if you are previously getting 40% income replacement, you only get 33% income replacement. Um, so instead of getting 40 cents for every dollar that you earned, you'll get 33 cents for every dollar that you earned. So it's it's not that you get nothing. It's not that the system goes bankrupt. It's just that the, the amount of the benefit goes down. Now, that's not uh, a small decrease. And so certainly people are very worried about um, if they've planned their whole retirement around a certain level of benefit, and that's not going to be there. That might be very difficult. Um, so that's really what the policy debate now is. It's how can we make sure that by 2037 we still pay people back what they were promised. And there are a series of uh, policy proposals put on by the left, right, center, and in between um, for more than 20 years that talk about how that can be achieved, including increasing the FICA tax and increasing the retirement age and decreasing the cost of living adjustment for every year and you know, a number of other potential ways that Social Security can, can not face this potential shortfall in 2037. But it's not, again, it's just to reiterate, it's not the case that, that we often see in the press. And I think one of the nice things Milton did in this PowerPoint was include some of the headlines that we often see about the system being bankrupt. And um, It's not that there won't be anything. And I, you know, if you ask college students today, most of them think they won't get a penny for Social Security. And, uh, you know, if, as long as we don't phase the program out, if we do nothing, it will continue to pay. It just won't pay at quite the level that people uh, have been getting in the past. Um, so it's an important important thing to understand. Um, and I think, you know, the more you understand the, the claiming and the cost of living increases and other kinds of things, you better have a better sense of what the solutions are that Social Security can pursue. And, and the truth is is that they are, the, the, the most likely scenario is a series of small changes, you know, changes in retirement age and changes in a couple of other things that will probably result in slightly higher FICA taxes and probably result in slightly delayed and maybe a little bit lower benefits, but 
It doesn't take a lot of these small things to make the program solvent for, for a much longer period of time. Um, when those are going to happen, I don't know. Uh, that's certainly a policy question that I wouldn't have to guess on. But, uh, you know, it's important to understand some of these. So probably um, 10 or 12 slides in the slideshow are around these kinds of issues, and hopefully they'll be useful to you as an educator and working with audiences to help people understand what, what's on the table and what it all means and how things will work out. So um, that's the, the retirement piece of Social Security. That's a, a big piece of it. Um, but I think what people often forget about is that there are other pieces of Social Security, too, including the survivor's insurance. So this is one of the older parts of the program. It was added just a few years after it was initially passed. Um, and it was designed to um, essentially be a program for, for widows or widowers and their children. So this is the, you know, the politicians refer to this as the widows and orphans component of, of Social Security. But that's, you know, not, not far from where it began, which is to, to, um, you know, in a traditional 1930s family, if uh, the, the husband were to, to die, then there would be very little left for the, for the spouse and for the children. So this is a way to try to, uh, avoid those those kinds of situations in the case of a, of a, of a death of a spouse. Um, the program uh, obviously has evolved a bit over time, and um, but it still has that same primary function of being available to support children and spouses uh, in the case of a widow or widowhood that, that could take place. Um, there's also provisions for um, people who are caring for children um, who have disabilities in the program as well. The program itself is um, its not a large benefit that's paid out, but it's oftentimes enough to help people as they transition or uh, prevent uh, some deepening of poverty. Um, but that is a, a, an important part of what Social Security is, is this um, survivor's benefit and continues to be, um, you know, and it's not certainly the level of what you find from a life insurance um, or some other kind of product like that, but um, it plays some of that role, especially for, for families who have an unexpected early death when they still have children. Um, the other program that people oftentimes forget and, and actually is a, is a big part of Social Security's overall budget is disability. Uh, and, you know, disability is defined by Social Security as you're, you're unable to work and you're disabled for at least a year, um, or the the disability that you're in is, is there's, there's no recovery from, so you're expected to result in death. The disability program is incredibly complicated, and I, I think you know we included just enough information in the slides to let people get a sense of how disability works, but not into all the variances of of uh, how it can operate, what situations people might be in. Essentially, you have to file a claim to get disability insurance, and in a good share of cases, those claims are, are not smoothly processed. So you have to wait six months after the onset of disability to make the claim, and you have to show evidence that, the, that your disability is something that's going to last a year and that, um, or, or result in death. Um, so it's, there, there is a, a, a pretty clear test that has to take place and a review that takes place by Social Security. That process can take a while. That claims process can take a while. And in some cases, there are, um, you know, you, you can make a file and be told that you're not eligible. And then there's a process to adjudicate that. So you actually have a Social Security claims um, appeals process, which can take even longer and oftentimes involves attorneys and gets expensive for everybody all around. Um, so disability is a, 
a very important program, um, particularly for people who've um, had unexpected disabilities or um, are unable to work. Um, but the the process and the, um, the the claims appeals that take place are incredibly complicated, and oftentimes it is an issue which requires support from somebody who's knowledgeable about how the program works, including support from uh, from a professional like an attorney in some cases. Social Security Administration has claimed staff who um, will help on a number of issues, including uh, retirement and um, survivors and disability. But once cases start to get to the point where they're being uh, contested and appealed, um, there be you know there's less and less role that that these these claim staff can play. But you know I think a good thing as educators to think about is who are the uh, who are staffing the Social Security offices in my community and are there allies there that I can learn from and talk with? And oftentimes they themselves will do workshops to help people understand how these programs work and, and what the process is, because uh, it obviously helps them as as they work with clients. Uh, it should be noted too that as many as half of the people who are working with Social Security now are doing so online. So they're getting questions answered, they're requesting forms, they're filing forms, they're requesting new Social Security cards, whatever it is, uh, using the internet. Um, and that's been a big goal of Social Security is to, to improve their internet interfaces so that people can use more of the online interfaces as opposed to uh, the local offices and the local representatives. I think the other, the other thing, like most government agencies and a lot of Social Security's workforce are themselves preparing to retire. Um, so we're going to start to see more and more shift in who's staffing those local offices and all that expertise that they have locally. So again, I would, I would emphasize trying to both understand the website, but also get to know some of the local people and get a sense of um, what expertise they might have and how they could work with you on education topics and referring of clients and that kind of thing. Um, another program I'll mention just briefly is the um, SSI program, the Social, Social Supplemental Security Income Program. This is less so of an insurance and more of a, um, a kind of a welfare program. It's, it's designed as a means-tested uh, program, a timeline program, so to speak, of, uh, of um, people. It was created in the 1970s, so it wasn't originally part of the original package of Social Security programs. It was designed at the time to particularly focus on low-income people who were disabled, so um, this combination of low-income and disabled and oftentimes disabled and retired, So, uh, particularly as the elderly have uh, the onset of increasing disability problems. Um, so it's a, essentially an increased benefit or a benefit, an increased benefit for people in retirement or for who would be eligible or a benefit for people who are low income and, and disabled. Um, there's about almost 8 million people who get SSI and the numbers have actually been rising in part because of the recession, um, but also just due to the, to the nature of the population that's aging. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a a big piece of what Social Security does is administering the SSI program in its many roles. Not, it's not part of Social Security, but I think Medicare is something else to understand um, because Medicare is an age-based federal health insurance, and Medicare and Social Security oftentimes work in tandem where people who retire at age 65, they also qualify for Medicare um, and begin making um, – uh, insurance premiums for their, uh, if they have the additional B, C, and D coverage for doctor services, supplemental health, and prescription drug. Um, so that's all part of um, the kinds of programs and changes that people are going to be 
thinking about as they approach retirement. So if you get into doing education around Social Security and retirement claims and truly even disability, it's important to understand how Medicare works and the, the kind of programs and eligibility that people have to go through to, to be part of that process as well. Medicare, of course, is facing its own issues in terms of uh, the, the policy fights and the, the problems with FICA not being enough to cover the cost of services. Um, it's another place where we've seen lots of debate about what should be covered and not covered, and certainly healthcare re- reform this last summer. We heard a lot of that. Um, so it's it's also part of the the discussion about the solvency of Social Security tends to be the solvency of Medicare because they're both collecting the FICA tax, and the FICA tax is, is not enough to cover what projected benefits are going to be under these programs. So oftentimes these debates about Social Security and Medicare take place at the same time because of this common funding source to think about. You'll see in the brief there's some websites that, that you can look at, including the, the Social Security website and the Medicare website, the um, Wisconsin website about Wisconsin Medicare, uh, the Benefits.gov site, which is about benefits eligibility, and many of you know the Access site in, in Wisconsin as well. I think the um, brief concludes with some information about where to call the 1-800 number and how to get your annual statement and do your estimator. I think those are all really good resources to share. These would be the kind of things that I think would be really useful to include in just general financial education. You know, as a, it could just be a few minutes, but to let people know that these resources exist. The thing the brief does is try to eliminate a handful of key dates to begin thinking about understanding Social Security better. So, you know, keyed off of uh, eligibility for for various forms of Social Security programs. Um, so that's in the brief as well. The um, PowerPoint uh, obviously has. A lot more detail, more websites, um, including a to-do list and some of the myths versus facts, you know, including the, the Internet myths about how Social Security works or doesn't work. Uh, and also just a little bit more detail on issues of, of Social Security, um, SSI, DI, and the, the Medicare programs uh, that are included. We don't have a lot of information in here on claiming strategies, um, in part because I think the Boston College website I mentioned earlier um, does a nice job with that. And so I'd encourage people to look at that site um, and to look at the, the brochures they have available. These are all free, by the way, and you can download them and print them out and use them in educational settings. I, I also, again, I think if you talk to people in your local Social Security office who are, who are um, working on these issues, they might have information to share with you um, that might be useful as well. Um, I think one of the the best ideas I've seen around the um, how to do education around Social Security is focused on this annual statement because everybody's getting this annual statement. Um, Social Security actually puts a lot of time and effort thinking about how that information should be laid out and what should be in it, um, and yet people don't spend a lot of time looking at it or understanding it or knowing what to do with it. So in some ways, it's you know we we. I spent a lot of time thinking as a team in family financial education about things like credit reports and how do you get people to get their credit reports and look at it and do something with it. In some ways, these, these annual statements are the, are the corollary on the Social Security side, that when people get these, these, um, these statements, it's not time for, to help them think about where they're at, where they're headed, what are their plans, what are they thinking about in terms of planning for retirement, how much do they think they're going to get, how much are they really going to get. Um, so it's, you know, that, I think that can be a real sort of a, a teachable moment around that that Social Security statement. If you're like me, you probably get these. You look at them a little bit, and you put them in a file drawer. Um, and they, they sort of maybe are a nice 
history of your work record, but uh, not something you use as a financial planning or financial education tool. Um, and I think it, it can be more than that. Um, obviously, some people are leery about sharing information because it might have their income. But, you know, short of actually looking at the year-by-year income level, the, the box that shows estimated benefits, you know, the, the, the you know, information about how benefits are estimated and helping people understand that I think can be can pretty useful. Um, and also the, the form itself has just useful information, you know, about um, the system and, um, you know, the, when Social Security is going to uh, no longer have enough money to, to continue to pay into the trust fund and when the trust fund will be depleted and how much will be left in terms of benefits at that point in time. So uh, that changes actually every year with the new actuarial um, analysis that comes out of out of uh, federal government. So they, they are constantly moving around these targets of, of how long the system is going to continue in its current form. And uh, obviously, the changes that are going to take place in the system are going to take place from from Congress or from the, the White House and the various political actors. Um, but Social Security has you know, adapted to those kinds of changes before. And one of the primary ways they're going to probably can't make any changes to take place, will be in these annual statements. So, again, it's, it's going to be an important teaching and learning tool over time. So with that, I've, I've probably talked too much. Let me stop and see if there's questions, as well as any ideas about what might be useful to you as educators and how you might use these materials. Michael, this is Lori from Pierce County. I'm looking on slide five where you have key dates in history. What is the ticket to work? Ticket to Work is a program for um, people with disabilities. What what happened with a lot of the dis the disability programs is that people were um, they would claim and then never go back to work because if they earned any income they would lose all their benefits. So it was like the most dramatic tax you can imagine. Um, so there have been a number of experiments and pilots in the last couple decades to um, encourage people who have disabilities to begin to return to work and not lose their entire benefit. Um, Wisconsin has actually been a leader in that through its Pathways Independence Program, um, encouraging people to try to find work that's meaningful, that um, works with whatever kind of disability they might have, um, and still continue to get their benefits both from Social Security and uh, in terms of health coverage. So um, I think it's a major change that's on the horizon in the program is to encourage more people with disabilities if it's appropriate to engage in some kind of meaningful work. Thanks. Other questions or suggestions or even uh, if anybody's tried to do any kind of financial education related to Social Security and Social Security programs? Michael, this is Shelley. This, this issue brief that you have put together for us, would this be something that might be of benefit to the aging and disability resource um, offices that we have in our counties or is this would be redundant to them? I... I I hope it's redundant because I think they're probably more of an expert on these kinds of things than I am since they're living it every day. But it may be packaged in a way that's useful for them, and I certainly, you know, I'd love to see it used. So uh, I wouldn't have any problem with it getting out there more broadly. But, you know, they may, in fact, they may look at it and say, oh, there's these things that you get wrong, so let me know if they do. Has anybody on the call ever done any kind of education programming around Social Security? We in Appleton, we have a great director, and he came and did several programs for us. Tim Gerke. This is the local Social Security Administration yeah. office. Yep. And then he's also worked with the Hmong community and the Hispanic community in offering 
programs for them um, specific to, you know, they're coming to the country and the complications that go along with that. Great. He's a great resource, and I, I think he's regional, so some of the people in the eastern part of the state might be able to tap him. But I've never attempted it myself. I get the sense that many of the offices have these kind of really great experts who are willing and available to work with you. I also get the sense that many of them are approaching retirement themselves, so I hope that there's a new generation behind them. Anybody else had experiences with education in this area? Does it make it into your basic financial education curriculum? Yes, as Barb, and no, it doesn't because I've never felt confident enough, so this may help. What else would be useful to um, sort of get you uh, more comfortable on these topics and more useful as uh, teaching materials and whatnot? This might be a good topic to discuss at Pathways and have a presentation on it mm-hmm. and then talk with, you know, who has done programming in this area. That's a great suggestion. I know we have, we've been thinking about maybe getting one of the Social Security staff people who, like the person in Appleton, uh, has, has done a lot of speaking and educating around this. So uh, I'll have to check and see if that's going to happen. So are there, are there slides in these materials that you find uh, more useful or is there more that you might need besides these slides to, to do some of this work? Anybody? I thought the PowerPoint was very informative. I especially like this slide 36 when it said when to contact. Very simplistic way to present the the ages of each. So more of these sort of hands-on tools, action steps kind of? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, great. Well, I, you know, I just... I'll, just let, let everybody know the the offer stands. If you if you're interested in doing some work around these topics, um, let me know. And if there's things that we can create that would be helpful, let me know. You know, I'm I'm new at this too, and really thinking about what the education might look like in this area. Um, I've never done any specific education in this area either, but I I feel like it's it's a there's a need that's there, and uh, I haven't defined it well, but I think it's it's worth trying to get our heads around how to experiment in this area. So, you know, let me know what you need. We'll continue to update these materials. Um, they'll just be posted back on the, the FYI site. If there is a specific topic that you think might be of great interest, you know, for example, claiming strategies like the suspend, claiming and suspending kind of strategies, we could do more focused briefs or materials on those kinds of things. So, you know, let, let me know what you're interested in. I think we're we're in, in at least a five-year relationship with Social Security Administration, so we'll continue to have an interest in this topic and and be have some support around this. Uh, so I just encourage you to know the doors open and, and uh, let me know what you need. Okay, great, everybody. Well, I um, thank you very much for tuning in, and uh, have a great week. <laughs>